0: Welcome to the posters in every direction podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Mike
1: and I'm Erica. And on this show, we discuss concert posters music with a heavy emphasis on the Dave Matthews band artists and the community of poster and merch collecting.
0: So whether you are new to this hobby or a seasoned professional, we invite you to come and relax now and join us in the space between music and art. This is episode number 32 of the posters in every direction podcast entitled passion rises up from the ashes this is an extremely special episode this is an artist interview with the amazing one and only dan mumford
1: and we are so so thrilled to be able to bring you guys this episode we talk all things art pop culture gig posters
0: and just have an incredible conversation with a really overall cool guy Dan Mumford so hope you all enjoy enjoy it all right well welcome everybody Uh, officially this is episode 32 of the posters in every direction podcast and today Erica and I are sitting here Uh, In the words of Dave Matthews, and I'm blown away because uh, we are sitting here with the one and the only um, Dan Mumford, who is an artist for Gig Posters and beyond. Dan, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: Well, we um, have been fans of yours, uh, as we mentioned, for several years. And um, for the listeners, um, y'all probably be familiar with Dan's work primarily for Dave Matthews Band um, over the last couple of years. But Dan's got a catalog that is incredibly extensive um, and all encompassing of not just gig posters, but pop art, um, 80s kind of culture um, and franchises that if you grew up like Mike and I in the 80s, you would you would absolutely recognize
0: Yeah, essentially, and I was mentioning this to Dan as we kind of hopped on the call, I feel like Dan has um, a direct view into my soul and everything that I grew (laughs) up with uh, as a child of the 80s and now as a super fan of music ranging from um, Masters of the Universe to G.I. Joe to now Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews. It's like everything that makes up the fabric of the being of me, (laughs) you, sir, deliver in incredible style and brilliance um so well, thank you thank you for everything <laughs> you've created um i spend hours sifting through your catalog and we've got a few pieces that we're lucky enough to have in our home that hang mm-hmm. um proudly slash selfishly in my office all day <laughs> so that while i do my day-to-day work as a as a business lawyer helping folks you know start companies and things uh, i get to look at these amazing works of art and their inspiration awesome,
2: awesome. Yeah. You've got the light really nicely hitting the foils in the background there. <laughs> oh,
1: we're uh, if, you, if anyone's our, our listeners know that Mike and I are suckers for the foils. We like yeah, yeah. things.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm i a big foil fan as well. Like if you get a good rainbow, rainbow foil, it's a oh, beautiful yeah. thing.
1: Absolutely. That's
0: one of the things that I would point out to listeners. And again, I would say the majority of people that listen to our podcast are probably uh band centric or gig poster centric Mm -hmm. with a heavy emphasis on dave matthews but um again your work you know transcends all all different types of bands but one of the things that i've found fascinating about you know a piece like the gray street one behind us which we've done a dedicated episode to Mm -hmm. um and really any of these is that you'll do different color variants and this is sort of across the spectrum of your work whether it's uh, a gig poster or a pop culture poster that to me as a collector is both a blessing and a curse it's like (laughs) amazing that you can make the image look so different with just some slight Mm. color variation and then it's like well I need to own multiple colors of them because they are all beautiful
2: well I I always think it's interesting because you know you nearly always get one color variant or something with a gig, gig poster but uh I always try and make it have a real different feeling so a lot of the time, actually, it will be something like I want it to feel like it's the daytime or the nighttime, something like that, you know, because I I don't like it when a, a color variant has the tiniest of color tweaks. It just doesn't kind of seems a bit pointless to me. Like, you know, you're working with a limited palette anyway with a screen print and you can really change the feel and tone of something by just changing one or two of those colors. You just have to change it quite drastically. But um, I, yeah, I love doing that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would I I totally hear what you're saying. It's almost like a signature of yours that you and this is, you know, something different mm-hmm. that, you know, that that is a differentiator for me as somebody that watches posters that drop from different artists, oftentimes there will be the regular edition and the foil edition. But for example, um, again, looking at that Gray Street, you dropped regular and foil and there were multiple color i think it was like green mm-hmm. orange
3: blue, blue
0: yeah. maybe a red so like three or four variants of each and then it's like we've got all of this sort of like six or eight panels that we could almost look at that yeah. it, it i mean to get really kind of deep as i think about it we were at the uh the met last year as we went up to new york city for the dave shows and they've got a lot of monet pieces and you know he did a lot of work at different times of day, and I I guess that's kind of what I'm maybe trying to say is that I think your work is like that. It's like <laughs> in that way that it'll trans- yeah. trans- transcend the the daytime or the nighttime and make it look different. And
2: yeah, and- it's just nice. I mean, with the with the Gray Street piece, that was interesting because uh, I think I only pitched like one colorway, but yeah. I can't remember why. But we just ended up doing yeah all of those different variants. And it's quite funny cause I did, you know, I did read quite a few comments from people after that one was released being like, why are there all these different sort of rainbow colors for gray street? Do you know what I mean? And
1: do you not listen to the song? Have you not?
2: <laughs> but also the it was sort of like, yeah, I'm somewhat being ironic. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. You know, I wasn't going to do just a gray piece. That's so boring and dull. Uh,
3: well, yeah,
2: I, I just thought that was really funny.
3: <laughs> and that doesn't
1: quite fit into your catalog. I mean, one of the no. things that Mike and I, um, you know, we want to talk to you about a little bit um, in the conversation is also just your your vibrancy of your colors. Mm. But before we get too deep, um, yeah. for our listeners, for those who may or may not be familiar with who Dan Mumford is, you know, give us a little bit of background, um, like how you got started mm-hmm. as an artist, and um, and then, you know, we'll kind of continue the conversation from there.
2: Sure. Um, Well, I went to university to study illustration uh, and graduated in 2007, so quite a while ago now. Um, And I pretty much went straight into working, well, then I was working mainly on music stuff for the sort of hardcore and punk metal sort of scene okay. um cuz that that's that's you know that's sort of who i am anyway um so i grew up with that sort of music playing in bands and stuff and i had a lot of friends that were still playing music so i had that instant connection where i could create t-shirts for them or cd covers or you know flyers it wasn't anything as crazy as screen printed posters that you get now but you know I was doing that sort of stuff yeah um and that was pretty much what I did for about five years that was basically it I think really um just loads of music stuff and I became quite well known for doing that in the alternative scene my work made its way over to America as well and I was doing I just did loads of CD covers and t-shirts and stuff um and that got that was amazing you know it literally gave me a career. But it did get a little bit uh, repetitive. There's only so many skulls and wolves and zombies I could draw. Um, <laughs> like it was quite a, it was, it, was really, it was really fun because it was like this new wave of illustrated artwork for CD covers. I think the, um, the sort of era of photography and bad Photoshop was over and it was time for nice illustration and stuff. Um, and everything was getting really colourful, and it was just a really nice period of time to be working in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly but surely, I moved into doing stuff for movie posters and working with galleries. The music stuff kind of stopped actually for quite a while um, because the sort of gig collect the gig poster collecting scene that we have now wasn't really prominent like ten years ago, yeah. like. It still existed to an extent, but not in the way it does now.
3: Yep.
2: Um. So I wasn't really doing any of that stuff then. But slowly I started getting a few more jobs with in music again over the last five years, I'd say. So I'm now at this point where I'm doing gig posters, music stuff, but I'm also doing movie stuff. And then I just have... I just, I have quite a varied client base as well. You know, I do stuff like Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons and, like we were saying, all the stuff that I liked as a kid, right? Yep. Uh, those are the jobs that I go after. Those are the jobs that interest me. Um, uh, And yeah, it's just, it's good fun. I, I enjoy it a lot, yeah. That's, that's, awesome. that's a general history. I think
1: it's, it's amazing. We um, are friends with a relative, a newer artist, Brandon Trammell, and he had a very similar startup, which was, I had some friends in a band. They asked if I would yeah. draw their, you know, their CD record cover and then similar kind of um, just going after those types of, yeah. you know, types of art that that I love to do. And, and now it's kind of snowballed, which I think is amazing. And one yeah. of the things that we talked about you know while we you know primarily talk about gig art posters and concert posters um you know you've got again a catalog that that spans both the the music scene and what we're calling this kind of pop culture iconography yeah, pop culture. of of pop culture um pieces and um do you have like a favorite genre that you you know do you like oh, i really love music or i really love to work in the pop culture scene
2: um i don't know really i I'm currently really enjoying uh, doing stuff that's the more really nerdy, I guess if you want to call it stuff. Like Magic the Gathering is a dream client for me. That's so uh, funny because I
0: told Erica I was like, don't use the word nerd on podcast. <laughs> it's just,
2: I well, like, I, I, we are fanboys. That's what yeah. we are. Just saying, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't like using that word, but it because it, what does it even mean? I don't know. Like, it, uh, but it is that stuff. I, I really enjoy that stuff because it's so, it's so huge now. Like, yeah, it's massive. Yeah.
0: And and I want to, for our listeners who may or may not be familiar generally with magic gathering, just to throw Mm. it back, I was in high school walking with friends from, you know, from, uh, you know, 10th grade or so Uh, after school, we'd walk in Pittsburgh up this little street called Murray Avenue. We'd grab a slice of pizza. We would stop into the sports card shop from time to time. And we were, you know, fervent traders of hockey and basketball cards was kind of our thing. And all of a sudden this this game dropped. They also had games, like you mentioned, like Dungeons and Dragons. It was a yeah, yeah. little local owned store called Games Unlimited. It's gone now, sadly. But um, they got in this, this box of cards with these booster packs and it was mm. called Magic the Gathering. And we were like, what is this? And so we each bought like a pack. <laughs> it was crazy at the time. They were like $2.50 a pack, which for us mm. was like, or maybe even $3. Anyway, it was a lot of money comparative <laughs> to the 99 cent kind of thing we were used to. Yeah. Um, and we got really heavy into it. This was right around um, the the betas or the uh, fourth edition. The stuff where Black yeah. Lotus drops. So ca-
2: cards that are yeah. worth a lot of money. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and that's that's the point I'm trying to get to with our listeners. Is that, like I had a Black Lotus that I owned, which is the most... What? Uh, present, right, in high school. And I traded it. <laughs> Because we didn't oh no. we didn't know any better. And I got hustled out of it by a friend of mine, man. Adam. If you're listening, Adam, I still remember. You <laughs> gave me a Shivan Dragon and two cockatrices for one Black Lotus. That was the horrible trade on my part. Oh, man. Um but this Black Lotus for listeners, this card now is worth probably like, I don't know, somewhere between twenty-five and fifty thousand US yeah. dollars. Yeah, crazy money. Um, yeah. The artwork on the card itself, the Black Lotus, has become Infamous, like if people Mm. have it tattooed, it's just like prolific, right? And so, Mm. the fact that Mm. you're also doing that artwork for those cards to me is also mind bending because I know what that means, like, as to the collector community. And then, like, you know, this has gotten to be serious big business now. This was a small company back then, Wizards of Mm. the Coast, I think, and they've been merged or absorbed by Hasbro, Um, yes, they have, yeah, yeah. And so, like, we're talking about major international stuff there's crazy like trading platforms like almost like stock and i met a guy once in las vegas that his whole job that is in the universe is he plays poker full-time and he buys and flips magic cards so yeah
2: i'm i think you can make quite a bit of money doing that if you do it correctly yeah Um, i don't you know Sad to say, I don't know that any of the cards I've worked on are worth anything yet. But uh, yeah, they
0: will be. they would not yet. Maybe, maybe. one day.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I I mean, yeah, of, it's great.
0: I think that collector, you know, like you <laughs> said, we're we're in this space of now mm. people collecting posters. Mm-hmm. I even joked on one of our podcasts that a friend of mine, when he saw particularly some of my shiny posters, and he was like, "You know, those are really just giant Pokemon cards." <laughs> and yeah. I said, right. Yeah. To a the degree, they kind of are. You know, it's that yeah. same feeling of like. Uh, you see it, and you're like, man, I've got to have that one. Yeah, you know, catch and them you, all. <laughs> you kind of go after it hard.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's quite crazy, isn't it? Because the the value of something is, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't really matter how big or how shiny it is or whatever. But with gig posters, yeah, we've got these things that are essentially big cards that people mm-hmm. put a lot of value into. Um, and yeah, some of the gig posters around over the last 10 years are worth so much money now. Um, yeah it's fascinating yeah
0: I think you know you mentioned that it's kind of exploded I remember the days and I was kind of chasing some of the methane studio ones for Mm -hmm. Matthew's band early you know around 2008 2009 and like to your point it wasn't as kind of large as it is now or expansive I feel like I got more exposure I have gotten more exposure since the onset of like Instagram and Facebook to yeah, totally. Yeah. photos right? it used to be you had to kind of delve into forums right the band that you yes. followed and somebody yeah, might yeah. Say, oh i was at the colorado show look what i got and so your exposure was much less but now much more do you kind of find that that, that those platforms have driven more numbers yeah. and fervor
2: oh of course yeah i mean it's it's really interesting it does there was this kind of sweet period about five years ago where just before COVID actually, I think, it was just before COVID, Uh, so I'd say 2018, 2019, where nearly any gig poster I did, apart from a couple for the maybe smaller bands, but nearly any gig poster just sold out instantly. Mm. And you had that thing where at the show, you know, people would be buying up like 20 posters at a time or something, which I don't, I don't understand how that's allowed to happen at the show. But me either. Whatever. That's not for <laughs> me, you know. Um, but there were yeah, there was a, a point when that was really, really uh crazy. Mm-hmm. I've seen uh, there's been a bit of a down, not a downturn, but like posters don't seem to sell out quite as quickly now. Uh maybe maybe I'm just not making the posters good enough. I don't know. No, I think <laughs> it I does think, seem a bit different. It does seem think, different.
0: Yeah, it snap- can be timing and saturation, yeah, right? A little bit two of things. I
2: think, yeah. Well, because you've got a band like dave matthews like every single show will have a poster right
0: yes yes and
2: i i do think the numbers i think we got to this point where the numbers of those posters were getting a bit higher mm-hmm. so you're right it was a it's saturation not everyone could buy every single poster um and <laughs> I you can try yeah yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> we can try um,
1: we um we were excited when they came out with the little trading cards this year i mm-hmm. kind of like coined them pocket posters. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, we we are as collectors, you know, this was the first year we actually had to buy a portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, we generally like to frame them and put them up on our walls because we enjoy that's we collect them because we love them. Yeah, um, yeah. We, you know, collect them for resale or flipping or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but we just get to the point where like between our rooms and the kids' rooms <laughs> and the hallways and you know, we needed to to still want to collect the ones that we love. And we, you know, we've talked about this on the previous episodes about, you know, how people collect. Do you collect artist specific? Do you collect mm-hmm. bands? You know, do you just go to, I only collect from the shows that I attend. There's a lot of different variations yeah. of how people collect. One of the things Mike and I were talking about um, as we were prepping for, you know, our conversation was, you know, the, the pop art. We were talking a little bit about that, how, you know, popular it seems to be right now, because I feel like, our generation is very nostalgic for things you know even the younger kids nowadays they like our 90s culture they wear the clothes we wear they listen to the Mm -hmm. music we listen to Um, and actually one of our best friends their son is when i say the most hardcore ghostbusters fan i've ever met (laughs) 14 years old and he knows more about ghostbusters than probably any person that i know and when you recently dropped your Ghostbusters prints through, uh, I think it was, I don't think it was Bottleneck Gallery, Gallery 1930? Yeah, 1988. So we, I, I snagged one of those as a gift for him. And um, it, it came across the pond and we uh, gifted it to him recently for uh, his birthday. And he's he,
0: like redecorating, he's redecorating his room around, around that piece. Around that piece. <laughs> Amazing. It's yeah. really
1: cool because, you know, to see that between, you know, those, those 80s, uh genres mike and mike was talking about earlier ninja turtles and gi joe and transformers x men um we one of the things i said i was like has dan ever done a comic book like have you ever yeah. considered or have been asked to yeah. do art for comic books
2: no i've i've not i've not been asked to do anything like that um i also don't know that i could do it uh, it's weird because i adore comic books like i i read I I generally collect um like the graphic novel collected editions uh okay. because I don't really uh, I don't really see the point personally in buying individual issues of stuff because I just it just gets ruined um but I have a very extensive graphic novel collection and um I adore I that's my preferred reading format if you will um you know we'll go I'll go on holiday my wife's got a couple of books and I've got like a stack of seven of those um
1: sounds familiar but, yeah. yeah
2: I would mean, you know I will I do read actual actual books sometimes but um it's funny because like to me that's a like that's a really important um form of literature now mm-hmm. uh I mean clear clearly it is considering how the way media's gone with adaptations and comic-con and all that sort of stuff oh, yeah. um so yeah I I love that stuff and i'm very happy that it's such a huge industry now um but i'm not quick enough i don't think to do a comic book um you know i th- i think in general i mean i don't i don't know this for a fact but like comic comic book artists that i follow it seems like they do a page a day or something like that um and i could see myself not being able to keep that up i'd quite like to do some comic book covers because that's one piece if you will yeah. Um, and actually, an uh, artist friend of mine, Dolly, he seems to be doing quite a lot of comic book covers at the moment. And I'm sort of like, that's that's the way to do it because he does that. He doesn't do the interior stuff. He just does a few covers. That's cool. Um,
0: well, and that's become almost sort of like a the collectability of its own. Like, yeah. Doli comics. like to your point, I'm and it just strikes me. It's like I feel like you and I might have been separated at birth, but um, <laughs> I'm the same way. I have that same philosophy around. I love and appreciate the individual comic book because hmm. of the color or the cover variants, right? That you can yes. yeah, yeah. you could have these different, but like you, if I have one, it's gonna get just banged up and shredded and yeah. you know, yeah. and so I kind of typically wait for a trade paperback and then yeah. catch up and read that way. And then yeah, they have stacks and stacks. Yeah. And that, and
2: uh, I also will always try and get the hardback version if I can because there's less chance of that getting damaged.
0: That's right. Right. It's, it's you know I'm safe and secure I'm clearly
2: security. clearly collecting them all for my future children to do something <laughs> with. I don't know. Yeah, here's I'm, your inheritance, <laughs> kids. Congratulations. Sorry, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. Comic
1: books and uh, collectibles right. for us. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah.
1: No, I I wanted to ask
0: about you know your your influences for your work and before you answer when i just want to share when i see your your pieces right like uh what hits me i think in the sort of nostalgic chord uh, are things that i grew up just eyes on from a very young age like um frank frazetta's art with conan the barbarian or a guy named uh randy obrero who did a lot of the package work for the first kind of waves of masters of the universe yeah, you know, yeah. Like i remember being a child and like there was no media like the toys came first for masters yes. of kempers, and then they built a cartoon around it but there's yeah. like a palpable memory that i have of being in this store in pittsburgh that was called doll kempers that i don't think exists anymore no. it was like a department <laughs> store and they had the giant castle gray skull on the shelf yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's this incredible artwork there of the and if y'all know what castle gray skull is listening it was this giant green castle that we had as kids that yeah she- it's amazing right and it is this stonework and this sort of like uh, apocalyptic view of like kind of like the earth opening up on this cliff oh good. yeah, the heroes there on the edge. And just like some of the works you've done like for Dallas recently or or the the Fiddler's Green and there's this trip tech you did for Dave Matthews at the Gourd. Mm-hmm. When I've seen those like that like I've identified that's what's just it's it's like I'm home again. Uh, for lack of a better <laughs> word. So, I mean, is that at all in your kind of influence base? Are there other influences?
2: Oh, no, for sure. Like, I think, um, like, a big thing for me when I was younger, and I'm talking, like, I don't know, eight upwards, um, going to the video video store with my dad to rent something, and all the posters they would have up, or, like, the covers of stuff, um you had a lot of illustrated like horror things then like you no know, like army of darkness or yep. um you know th- that sort of thing where i'd be looking at the artwork going oh my god this looks like the most incredible thing that's ever been created then of course you'd watch the film and it would kind of be crap like right. <laughs> i'm i'm not sa- i'm not saying that about army of darkness but like these pieces of artwork would always be way more intense and crazy looking than the actual product and actually that's kind of true of the toys as well like with the packaging because what it was about what it was about was like making your imagination come alive Um, and that's what it did so for me as a kid all of those things always really struck a chord with me Um, you know I'm unhealthily obsessed with the idea of the apocalypse and you know, destruction of things and all that sort of stuff, purely on an artistic level, not like I actually want that. Um, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: but but those are the things that interest me sci-fi, horror, craziness, all that sort of thing. So yeah, my artwork lends itself to that because I'm interested in that stuff. Um, and, and as a as a as a kid, that was always always there. And as an adult, that's the sort of side of media that I like the most as well when it comes to films and stuff uh just the really big crazy fictional stuff that's... like the day after out of, tomorrow, I, I, kind of yeah thing. like just stuff that's out of the realm of possibility really you know um you know I like a good drama as well but I prefer it if something is more out there um and well, movies yeah. really do inspire me more than most things I think um you know I'm not it's not I'm not really inspired that much by artwork. Like I appreciate lots of other artists, but I don't look at the work and sort of go, Oh, I want to try that or anything. I just do, I just do what I do and I'm kind of sticking to that path really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's and, and I I hope you do because it is (laughs) phenomenal and unique. And when I look at your pieces, what I see um, similar to sort of the music of, you know, the lyrics that Dave Matthews has written so many songs and sort of tied to the Gray Street and and other Mm. pieces you've done for them is there is this way, like Dave has a song called When the World Ends, right? Which is, if you just take that phrase, it's pretty bleak. Mm. But He has a way of finding kind of beauty and hopefulness and joy, even in these like, against all odd circumstances. The Gray Street song is a perfect example of that. And I feel Mm. like your artwork is exactly that it it depicts these sort of like opening up of the earth or uh, apocalyptic end of days kind of thing but it shows that it's also a very beautiful even if it's just for a snapshot in that chaos right that there yeah. is beauty there and you find yeah. it and it's kind of just unbelievable
2: that's um you kind of put that's exactly what i try and do uh it's um I'm not really interested in drawing, I don't know how to put it. I'm not really interested in drawing something that's not visually appealing or not aesthetically beautiful. Um like I want to make things always look like a peace, peaceful sort of moment of clarity within whatever it is that's happening. Mm. So, like you say, the you know, the stuff I've drawn for Dave Matthews, it tends to be this sort of quite yeah, you could say it's quite a bleak situation, um, but I I don't see why that can't be beautifully rendered. Um, and you know, I always have these figures in it in nearly all of my work. You know, if it's uh, something on a quite a large scale, and the the figures they're kind of a way of me putting the viewer in that place, and it's sort of it's always a person or people in that moment, just sort of taking it all in, I guess, you know? Um,
0: yeah. And that was a specific question like I had for you that goes um, back to when we were kind of analyzing the the gray street piece on a on an episode that we did dedicated to that poster was, was that woman, the silhouette, right? Because the lyrics of the song mm. um, gray street, and I'm, I guess that's a separate question when you go and create a piece do you listen to the music there and absorb that um and i'll circle back there but well well, i'd say
2: for for something like gray street yeah i did analyze the lyrics quite heavily mm -hmm. Uh, when it comes to a poster specifically for a band i don't don't really go too heavy into it it's more about the the venue or the place than Mm -hmm. the band okay
0: yeah. that makes a lot of sense when you look at like the gorge triptych i think like that mm-hmm. is a very gorge centric kind of yeah i've seen like pieces that you've done for i think it was pearl jam at madison square garden msg's mm-hmm. kind of in the background one
1: from hampton the fish
0: from hampton was the next one i was going to go to because that's the yeah. we were just at hampton <laughs> coliseum in december for the band goose i don't mm. know if you're familiar with goose yeah, or yeah. not, but um they they did a show there and that hampton coliseum is very much a a spaceship in and of yeah. itself. Yeah. You, you like you nailed that right in that fish piece. It was just like incredible.
2: That was um, a fun piece, yeah. What
0: when, when you when you then insert that character um in the Grey Street piece versus a gig piece, is that more mm-hmm. tied to the song and the character in the song or is that also meant to sort of be the listener or kind of ambiguous and make it what you want as the
2: Um I think for for Grey Street it's the character in that song. Mm-hmm. Uh that to me that was very much about visually telling the same story as the lyrics um there's
1: but... kind of a world for, for us we talked about this um like world building similar mm-hmm. to you know in in the the 80s and kind of genre of, yeah. of that kind of style there's within mm-hmm. your gig posters you know we've looked and there is that that viewer that mm-hmm. is like you said draws us in um do you do you feel like if we were to put together like right now we have three right of your Dave Matthews band related posters and it for to me it feels like it could be the same universe Mm
2: -hmm. yeah I I I I always whenever I'm repeating something uh, whenever I'm doing another poster for a band that I've already done one for I nearly always not always but nearly always I I try and sort of think about is there a way I can continue what I did before Mm -hmm. Um, so with Dave Matthews there's I think there's one more There's the triptych, and then there's one more... I can't remember what it is, but it's the sort of...
0: There's there's at least two that I can think of. There's one from Jacksonville, Florida, that I think was your first one. It's kind of got these television sets stacked on top. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot about that one, yeah. And I think there's a character. And then there's one from... Man- i think mansfield massachusetts yeah. so i've got to give chris a shout and wonder yeah. if my buddy chris has that piece the mansfield one was the the first one that i was like the holy answer. crap this looks like the woman's walking up the path of snake mountain or something right like that.
2: so so that was the that's probably one of my favorite posters i've ever done that one um because it just really all clicked into place i think mm-hmm. um but but that one the one before it with the TVs and the one you've got behind you—they've all got the same type on them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So they—they they very much are a set. Um oh, very cool. And it is quite—it's quite funny as well because I saw there were some people that were like, oh, "He just keeps doing the same thing," and I was sort of like, "But the, yeah, I'm doing that on purpose." purpose. You're, like... you're missing—you're missing the point, bro. <laughs> like
0: it's meant to be a a, a sequence, mm-hmm. a collection. Yeah.
2: It's just quite funny, like, when you do stuff like that and people don't necessarily click. Um, yeah. And it's, like, fine, but there'll be people out there that do appreciate it and do understand. Um, so that, for example, in my in my head, yes, it is the same yeah. universe. Yeah. It's the same people. They're just sort of making their way through this thing. Uh, you're following a little adventure or something. Um, and, I, you know, I, I do that with other stuff as well. I did... I did a set of five Magic the Gathering cards. And it was one for the one for each different land, the different uh manners, whatever you want to call them. Um Swamp. Yes. swamp, uh, yeah, swamp.
0: Um, mm, one's a watery one, I remember. Yeah, yeah. taking me back. Yeah, there's there's <laughs>
3: it, 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 was, yeah. it was
2: a really it was a really fun project because I got to do five lands and they were all black and white illustrations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is quite unusual for Magic the Gathering cards. And I did, and they're all these just big landscapes, very much like the posters behind you. Um, And in each one, I put this tiny little character, this tiny little woman making her way through them all. And after a few months of the cards being out, I just saw this post where someone went, is it the same person going through each of these cards? Like, And then they were going... Is it this certain character? Is it this thing? And they were really going deep, analyzing it, sort of. The reality is it's not anyone in particular. It's not a certain character from that Magic the Gathering world. But I love that someone can think that. And I love that people can put that into it. But to me, it's just this person going through this world, going to these different places, experiencing these different things. Um, So, yeah, I, I really do try and put a little bit of a narrative into something. I'm not really that interested in doing, um, you know, the sort of like a floating head poster where you've just got elements to sort of all around a montage sort of thing. I, I don't really like doing that sort of thing. I like to tell you a story with little background details and stuff.
1: One of the things that I love and appreciate most about your work is there's a lot of Easter eggs and things Mm -hmm. you can kind of find within. Um, But it was almost like what you were talking about before when you guys were talking about your action figures back in the day, where the artwork would then basically be the the gateway to your own imagination. I think that's important to note, especially with something like Magic the Gathering, you have to be really creative as yeah. you're playing in the game. Um, uh, but for people that that you know don't play that game, think about when you see something and then it 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 allows you, it's not very um in the forefront specifically of like this is exactly what it is. It's it's yes. your interpretation based on the experiences yeah. that we have and the way that the lens that we see things. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I think that's the most fun for for me about collecting posters mm. it, for us is we've talked about, you see something and it's like an immediate like connection. Mike was talking about that earlier. And for me, I'm the same way I have an art history background. And so I studied like 19th century, like classic art and Mm -hmm. and wanted to work in a museum and all that stuff. So I have an appreciation as far as the art goes, but what drew me to the arts is that that connection of like how it makes you feel. Um, And I think that's really cool to translate that not just again we go to a show we get our poster we have that souvenir memento but then also being able to share art like we did with our friend's son of you know your Ghostbusters work and for him to go like this is so cool um that's that to me is what is sort of tangibly wonderful
2: yeah well the thing the thing is like when it comes to stuff where I'm making artwork for something that is a little bit older, like something from the 80s or the 90s. Generally, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be true to whatever that is, but I do try and make it closer to how I feel about it, if that makes sense. So I'll use the Masters of the Universe piece as an example. It's this hyper colorful piece that I did, like it's so colorful. But if you go back and look at what that looked like back then, it's pretty dull in terms of color. Mm -hmm. So what to me, it's like, I'm trying to show you how it made me feel back in the eighties, or this is how I remember it. I remember it being this insanely cool, everything was super detailed and colorful, Um, you know, and if you go back and watch that old cartoon, it's, you know, it's pretty rubbish. Yeah. In terms <laughs> kind of, of its quality.
0: Kind of grainy and got a little yeah. a black wash over it or something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but that's not how I remember it. That's not how it makes me feel. And that's the same with old movies and stuff. So or, or video games, because I love doing video game stuff as well.
0: Yeah. Like, that's true. You know, I've seen some I'm, of the like the link, like uh yeah. kind of his Zelda and the whole Hyrule Kingdom in the background. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Like it's not it's, it's not technically true, but it's I mean that Zelda one's a good example because it, it's not it's not accurate to what is actually in that game, yep. but that sense of scope and scale and wonder that it is before you, that's what I'm trying to get into there.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I get exactly what you're talking about because like to your point, like if I think back to Zelda, particularly Zelda 2, like the Link from the past or mm-hmm. what call it, uh-huh. or what Link's Adventure, it was the second one on the original NES and mm-hmm. it had great box art and we were all excited Link was going to be this heroic character like he's depicted in your yeah. poster and you play that game and it's just trash. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was 8-bit uh, garbage. The the first one, at least, you could, you could adapt to it every mm-hmm. time. Felt like okay, I'm playing from a bird's eye view, but mm. I remember the running through the marsh. It was just like terrible. So yes, yeah. but if you're in that right, if you're in that game, the feeling that it sort of emoted from you, exactly. you're then translating that to say, yeah. this is kind of what I wished it looked like visually, or what, what I experienced in my mind's eye. Yeah, kind of went down.
2: And, that, and that's that's really nice. Like I, I get, especially with the video game stuff, because there's not there's not a lot of people doing specific video game posters kind of in the way I have done in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um where I'm doing I'm doing them for games that are not necessarily the hugest. It's stuff that means something to me. Mm-hmm. So like I did one for um this game Wipeout, which is like the a futuristic racing game. And I loved that so much as a kid. So much. But you don't hear anyone talk about it now for like the last twenty years or so. But then I'd get messages from people being like, "Oh my god, thank you! You you've recaptured what that felt like, you know, the color, the craziness of it." And so I sort of go, "Well, good. That means I've I've hit, I've touched that aspect for certain people. So that's that's really cool. I I try to go for that, if you will. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I get that hundred percent. I mean, even when you said like the package for He Man Masters Universe was great when you actually got the actual toy, yeah, not as good, right? It was just yeah, sort of yeah. plastic thrown together and it wasn't very well articulated and thing. Yeah. Now, much different, some of the things they've done, you know, in modern figure making, but like back then, the ones of the 80s, same thing with like the G.I. Joes. They were very, yeah, totally. very yeah. cool to hold, but really it was that package burst art. that. Yeah,
2: I mean, my main memory of G.I. Joe is I had a lot of them and I also had a lot of them that were in half because like there was this like elastic <laughs> thing in the middle that held them together that's and right it would snap all the time
0: yeah the uh, the o-ring they call it it was like the black band yeah. that's like and that's it would it, dry, yeah. it would dry rot and then those were the guys that unfortunately <laughs> didn't make it through the battle
2: and you, that's you, true was, yeah yeah <laughs> um i like i yeah i have very strong memories of that my dad trying to like find the tiny knives that i've lost uh-huh. uh, one actually one christmas i got a snake eyes figure and it was a special one he had luminous like red weapons and I threw the knife away and it was in oh. the rubbish somewhere. Oh, so we had to like, no. we had to go through it to get it. I cried a lot that Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
0: that similar experience. One year I had, I built an entire Hoth uh, battle scene in our front yard in Pittsburgh when we had oh. snow <laughs> and you know, it came time to come in from the house and I got all of my toys in from the yard except for the, the Luke Skywalker from Hoth. Oh man. The, stayed buried because so, you know he hung upside down in the wampa cave you know what i'm talking about and yeah, yeah, yeah. i tried to recreate that i guess in a cave that i made in the <laughs> snow. well the snow collapsed or whatever we didn't find that figure until spring <laughs> it's it really
2: gone. funny
0: but, still you know. to this day i'm scarred somewhere deeply oh yeah
1: <laughs> well um we, one of the things we talk about like see the artist. and I love watching when um, you guys put up sort of process, you know, you guys put mm-hmm. videos on your socials. Um, so one of the things that, that we know about you is you're a purely a digital artist, correct? Mm-hmm. Your medium is, is digital yeah. art. Um, and are there other mediums that you've explored or is that like, what about digital art is, is like it for you?
2: Um. Yeah. I, I used to do everything by hand with ink and paper. Um, and realistically, like, the way I create artwork isn't that much different than it was 20 years ago. Um, but it's just quicker. Uh, it, it's easier. I don't... I got fed up of scanning things in and trying to... And, and then having to clean them up and clean the line work up. Mm. Um, whereas if I'm working digitally, it's just... I It's just super clean and sharp. So yeah, it, it's... You know, I don't really do anything that's that crazy in a digital way. It is just line work with color underneath, um, a few transparency effects and stuff. But but really, it's just lots of line work. Um, and I just I, I just can't. I just don't go back to analog drawing anymore. Yeah. Um, I I used to do some. I want to do more painting actually because i i enjoy that uh but that that'll be when i have a bit more space maybe um in the future yeah.
0: have you uh, have you been approached at all with any of your pieces to either customize them or make them adaptable to tattoo ink
2: work oh well if you google dan mumford tattoo you'll get a lot of tattoos come yeah, up right right <laughs> um like i've i've been sent hundreds of of them. A lot of them from when I was doing band stuff because people would get record covers tattooed on them Um, and it's really cool but it's also really weird to see (laughs) Um, because also sometimes it's not done that well and I'm sort of like yeah it looks great (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I've also seen some amazing ones as well so um, yeah there's a lot of them out there. I haven't ever however design something specifically for a tattoo because i feel like if you're gonna go get a tattoo go to an art a tattoo artist Mm -hmm. and say get them to do it because they know what's going to work best and they know how it will apply best to the skin um a
1: whole nother art form i'm i'm a tattoo aficionado (laughs) um mike does not have any i have a a good handful of them Mm. and very similar you know now it's probably similar to like the way the artwork is it's very difficult to get a tattoo artist who's like the true artist not just somebody who will kind of control all delete copy a piece and and there's value in that especially if it's something that again you're like I want this particular I love this band and yeah some
2: people are really good at that. yeah
1: Um, but it is very challenging to to get an artist who you know you appreciate their artwork and then you want that on your body as someone who gets tattoos and has several artists that i follow it is very challenging to get on their books um but it's really it's just it's another expression of art yeah. that it's
2: it's um, yeah i i it's a it's an incredible art form and um there's some tattoo artists that i really admire really? um their artwork yeah so yeah,
0: speaking back to the gig posters one of the yeah. questions we had i wanted to make sure we hit um if there was if there was a musician or a group any point in time you know mm-hmm. here with us now or long departed that you could do a gig poster for who would it be
2: hmm. it's funny because in the past i would have said like metallica or iron maiden but i've got to do those That's so it's true. really <laughs> really cool um I don't know that I have a really good answer for it anymore. I'll just say something. I'll say something stupid like um, Meshuggah. Do you you know them at all? They're one of the heaviest bands on earth. Uh,
0: I'll bet you our friend Evan would know who they are. (laughs) Evan would be like, oh, Meshuggah, yeah.
2: Yeah. They are the heaviest metal band on earth. I'd like to do a poster for them. There you go. Um, yeah, I'll just say that. <laughs> okay,
3: Which figure it is.
1: <laughs> so you had mentioned earlier in our conversation that you, when you started off, you liked, um, like when I think of the kind of punk music, I think of like the Ramones. I mean, you, you're in the UK mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. scene. So that's a little different than than us here in the sure. US. Uh, when we think of like punk, we got back in like the 90s, you know, a little more like Green Day. That was mm. sort of like what was our version of punk. But I think of, again, um, do you still listen to that genre of music? Is there a band that you're like really into right now?
2: Yeah, I I still, I'm still very much uh, someone who listens to uh, like metal and hardcore stuff. Um, it, it's more just sort of, it's tough. I find it tough to get into new music, actually. Um, even new albums by bands that I really like, because you just end up listening to the old albums instead. Yeah. Um <laughs> Like, I'm a huge Deftones fan. They they were a band that had a real impact on me when I was younger. And they've consistently put out pretty good albums. Mm-hmm. But I always go back to uh, the White Pony album, which was late 90s, I think. I'm not sure. But, like, that album was so perfect for me as a, I don't know, 17-year-old or something. Yep. Um so I find it tough to listen to the newer stuff because I just go, oh, I'd rather just listen to that album that I know every single word to. Right, you
3: know? I, I,
0: That's how I am with uh, Pearl Jam, right? Like I, yeah. I love like to sample the new stuff that comes out and see where they go and explore the space. But yeah. if I really want to turn on Pearl Jam, I go back to 10 versus Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I just kind of recycle those three. <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it, it's, it's funny. I, I find that with nearly all all music. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, you know, I've sort of got a bit more uh, diverse with my musical tastes as I've got older. Like, I like a lot more chilled out music as well. Like I think Bjork, for example, is amazing. Like, her music's incredible. Um, or DJ Shadow, he's great. And, you know, he, again, both of them have put loads of albums out, but I will just listen to the ones that are the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I think that's just what happens to you as you get older, because... And it's not even even about being nostal- nostalgic, it's just sort of like, I really like those songs. Okay. So why would I listen to these new ones that are maybe emulations to an extent of the ones I like? You know? Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Our son, you mentioned the Deftones, he loves the Deftones and he likes the old stuff. I mean, he's 15, <laughs> but you know, he's going back and I'm thinking of my friends when I was in high school who were into the Deftones, who mm. had a punk band in their garage and we used to go mm. hang out and listen to them play. You know, he's listening to the stuff at the same age that I did when yeah. I was age. And and there's no nostalgia for him. He's just no. he's just in it and he's like, this is good stuff. And he's yeah. he, that's where he's at. it's 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 interesting because I mean Mike and I tend to be more in that uh, we listen to very similar music, which is mm-hmm. really nice. And obviously the Dave Matthews band was something that when we first met, that was actually one of our kind of major connecting points was we both loved Dave Matthews band and still, you know, 30 years later, we're still going to shows. Um, but you know, so we listened to that genre, a little more jam bandy stuff, but our kid just picks up like metal. Like it was like, His yeah, I'll to this, and then he listens to a lot of the old stuff. Like yeah. he's like into Nirvana right now and Corn and Deftones and Slipknot. And I'm like, these are all brand, bands yeah. that he listened to at his age. And then he's just, you know, found them, which is really mm. cool.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, check out this tune Halloween by Dave Matthews. It's pretty heavy. And he's like, thanks, dad. It's kind <laughs> of you know, <It's> soft, <laughs> right? It's not, it's, it sounds like a love song to me. You know? I,
2: it's, it must be really, I'd be really interested as well to hear, like, of the albums that those bands like Nirvana, Deftones, Slipknot put out, which are the ones that stick for them? Is it those early ones or is it the later ones? Because if, if you look at some like the Deftones, I think they've got eight albums or something. And a lot of it's very samey material, but I mean, maybe it's the first one you listen to is the one that sticks with you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'll have to ask him. I'll ask him that question. Like what was it that got him into yeah. you know, the Deftones or what song was it? I know yeah. he, he'll, he'll rattle them off and I'll be like, Okay, we were in the car driving back from somewhere and I was like, well, you know, I'm thinking of the music that I listened to when I was his age. And I was like, I really loved Stone Temple Pilots. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, have you ever listened to Cake? Because he kind of also likes that little more beat, you know, Smashing Pumpkins. He's he likes that kind of 90s -hmm. kind of Seattle G sound. Um, but you know, he he'll listen to be like, yeah, I like this. And I don't know if he's just appeasing me, probably he is. He's like, sure, mom, you're cool. Go listen to I your it, bands. <laughs> no, but it,
2: it is all in the same sort of area. And it, you know, when I was younger, I I didn't ever really appreciate anything like Smashing Pumpkins or or Pearl Jam, even. Like they were too light for me, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um But at the same time, a lot of my friendship group did like those bands. Um and it's funny as well because we had bands like oasis and blur over here yeah. oh yeah that was also a huge thing at exactly the same time i was growing up oh yeah and it's funny because I, at the time i was probably a bit like whatever it's rubbish uh, <laughs> but now like i know all of the songs anyway because mm-hmm. i was around them so now i'm sort of like oh quite good songs actually um <laughs> like so you know there was yeah, there was lots of different stuff around. As As long as there was a guitar playing something yep. vaguely heavy-ish, mm-hmm. uh, I was probably interested, and my friends were as well. So, you know. yeah.
0: yeah, It's interesting. <laughs> I just saw there's a total tangent, but I just saw yesterday I was cycling through YouTube and there was a clip from the Jimmy Fallon show and they had on mm-hmm. Gavin Rosdale from Bush, and apparently Bush is oh, on wow. this sort of greatest hits tour. Uh-huh. And okay. There's Gavin Rosdale. Just him and some instrumental uh, playing Glycerine. And um, Erica came in. She's like, how old is this? I was like, it's from 20 hours ago. Wow. Bush is back and they're touring and he's playing Glycerine. And I'm like, it's the same. He's gotten a little bit older, but it's the same. And it's awesome um yeah I, just, I,
2: do like, know, I i completely forgot but i was obsessed with one of their albums is it Razorblade suitcase or something yeah
0: like i think it was was that the first one or uh, yeah yeah i don't know like but that, yeah i was obsessed i was obsessed about, other um, cover yeah. yeah yeah it has like I just thought that
2: was great yeah yeah
0: and i think that's exactly what they're going for so keep an eye that might be <laughs> they might be touring right. uh <laughs> i haven't seen the dates yet but there's apparently like a like a greatest hits album or something on vinyl dry right. and so it's like all all that was that was uh yeah. old is new again kind
2: uh, well, of thing. Well, <laughs> we, weirdly going back to what we were saying about um people like ourselves collecting things yeah it's it's so big right now i think including this sort of nostalgia thing with bands from that era going around and playing because now we're the people that have a bit of money to spend on it uh-huh. um,
0: and we I mean target, I, target demographic, if you will.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure this will happen in fifteen years, twenty years with I don't know, the Nicki Minaj nostalgia tour, <laughs> 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 something like that, right?
0: Um, well, well let go to that. If they're in the US, you have a place yeah. to stay. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get
2: tickets. I, but I guess I guess it's just it's all cyclical, isn't it? Like yeah. that that will happen again anyway. Um,
0: well, yeah, There's a meme that goes around that's like. You know, in this this month or or this this year within six weeks, these albums were all released. And yeah, right. like Pearl Jam Ten, Guns N' Roses, Use mm. Your Vision One and Two. I mean, and it goes on and on right. and on. And it's just like I, I can't I can't imagine a time in history, you know, where there was that much just incredible music like out. impactful. Yeah. Music. It all came out on cassettes at the same time, you know. Like I
2: I do I mean, I'm sure my dad would have said this about the music in his time and film in his time as well, but it does really feel like the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, there were some real magic moments there. Um, And I don't know if that's a culmination of just... I don't know. It feels like people just being a bit more free, um, the alternative scene of stuff becoming more prominent. Mm -hmm. um, You know, like alternative music became... Of course, it always existed, but it was never at the forefront like it suddenly was with bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Um, And yeah, I do think all of a sudden you had some really good stuff. There was always good stuff, but I think at that point it was getting a platform that it didn't have before. Um, So, yeah, good times.
1: Speaking of music, um, while I was kind of doing some research um, and you had mentioned that you were also in some bands. In mm. the past. On your website, you have a little tab that says music. Oh and, yeah. And is that your music? Is that music you listen to or these bands that you've done artwork for? I was curious um, about
2: that. So the music tab, I think it's got four links on it. Mm. Uh and yeah, they're just those are things I've played on. Um, so it's what is it? It's three bands, I think. Yeah. Cause I, I've I was never I <laughs> Uh, we never really produced much music in any of the bands I was in, but they are still things that I'm quite proud of as packages of finished work, if you will. Uh, So I just put, you know, I only put that up recently because one of the albums is from 20 years ago. The other EP is from 10 years ago. Mm. And then there's two more EPs from another band that were maybe five years ago. Mm. Um, and I think it's partially for me to just sort of look at it and go, yeah, I made some music I was really proud of. Um, but also, I think it's interesting for people to see what other things you do, you know? Yeah. Um, what, so, in-
0: what instruments do you play?
2: Uh, ba- just bass. Bass, okay. and, a, and a little bit of shouting occasionally.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that goes right along with
1: it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um,
1: I, I needled over to Spotify because some of them, kicked me over there one of them be oh. the soundcloud and i listened to it i was like man kate and our son would love this i'm like that's like right up his alley of the music that he likes to listen to and i was like yeah oh, never and he'll be like now he'll be like the cool kid be like yeah do you guys know dan mumford yeah i know you don't know dan. <laughs> like it'll be like what that alternative music scene was where yeah, yeah. nobody knew who nirvana was but you were there in the underground like seattle listening to them prior to
2: well, I can, guarantee, I can guarantee that no one knows any of the bands I was in. So it's really like a, cool
0: stuff. A spike of usage in, in the yeah. southeast of the U.S., right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Raleigh, North Carolina has got a lot I'll of I'll send you, on.
1: be like, hey, my kid needs like a band t-shirt so you can wear it, so you can be cool. People are like, what band is yeah. that? Like, you don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think we want to get to uh, some, some rapid fire questions. But before we do, sure. I want to let the listeners know uh, the website is Dan hyphen mumford.com right you Mm -hmm. can search up dan mumford um dan's got a great store on there you do something really cool with your posters where you have mystery tubes and again as a child who opened packs of cards like i've got to order one of those and try it out it looks awesome but for our dave matthews followers um there are two pieces i think are still available in the store yeah Fiddler's green piece and that was from 22 i believe which is that uh and then there's the dallas from the dosi keys pavilion which was 23 mm. the most recent tour i think that was like the second show of that tour there was I like a, so, yeah. a, a todd slater golden calf night one in another texas i think it was houston mm. and then dallas was night two they were in the texas zone and mm. and you dropped that one i got lucky to get one of the foil mirrored yeah it
2: looks nice that yeah
0: somebody that kind of attended the show and and just decided they they wanted to keep the regular and so I said I'll, I'll take it, absolutely. <laughs> uh, But both of the regular editions of this and they are phenomenal pieces of art. Yeah. Um Thank you. I've said this, like if you put a fire dancer front and center in a Dave Matthews piece, you've kind of built an instant almost grail. Uh, that's what the Fiddler's Green one has mm-hmm. and the fire dancer is pretty prominent in the uh, the Dallas one. It's in the lower left-hand corner. Yeah. So if y'all are listening, check out Dan's website and go grab those posters while they can they can be grabbed. Also Dan Mumford draws on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. It's a great way to find your work and follow your work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: One of the things that we've been doing when we have guests on the podcast and just as like a a fun thing, I didn't include it in the agenda. So this is going to be, you don't know what's going to be asked of you. It's not like pop quiz, hot shot, but it's, it's fun things just to get to know you and, and just it's meant to be whatever comes to mind first thing and they're
0: <laughs> safe questions we That's promise right. there's nothing <laughs> here
1: nothing at all right okay. all right so
0: favorite pizza topping
2: uh pepperoni my man nice
1: uh where was the most recent place you traveled to
2: oh uh oh it was um los angeles okay yeah yeah with yeah. my dad yeah cool We've expanded
0: this question. Sometimes it's Star Wars or Star Trek. Sometimes it's DC or Marvel. <laughs> We've broadened it for you. For all of okay. pop culture, 80s and before, what is your sort of favorite, thinking like, you know, comics, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Teenage Turtles, He-Man, G.I. Joe, what would be your favorite, like, Branch, as right. a as a fan?
2: Um, I think I will, I will say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, okay. I've become quite obsessed with the idea of collecting all of the toys that I can for them so I love that I, I think my future is going to be very green yeah <laughs>
0: the, the, there's plenty I mean I've been following the stuff that NECA has been doing and yeah
2: all the NECA stuff yeah
0: Super 7 which is some cool like nostalgia from the toys we had yeah. seen, so
2: it's so a shame you them. can't see it but I have quite a few of them on shelves around me but I'll,
1: we'll send you some pictures of my we so. can exchange yeah. pictures that's right yeah. <laughs> get on a, like a little text chain yeah you're yeah. all your your turtles uh uh memorabilia that's right there you go Gotta love them. cool beach or mountains
2: um ooh. okay mm, beach i'll just say beach yeah okay. yeah <laughs>
0: well, what was the last song you listened to or band uh... you could do just band
2: Last, I'm just trying to go back in my head. (laughs) Do you know what? The last song I listened to Mm -hmm. was someone that I would never, ever listen to, and I don't like them at all. (laughs) (laughs) It was was Lou Reed. Lou Reed.
1: Lou Reed.
2: Yeah, because I was listening to someone talk about Lou Reed and one of his albums, and I was like, what are they talking about? Like, they were talking about all of these lyrics, and like how important and impactful the lyrics were. And I was like, all right, I have to listen to this. And I listened to the song. Uh, what was it Waves of Fear? That was the song. Okay. Okay. And yeah, they were interesting lyrics. Not for didn't, you. Do it, didn't do anything musically for me. No, um, yeah, it is what it is. Not heavy enough. No, no.
1: <laughs> I was like my my son said, Hey uh, mom, you ever hear of this guy named Lil Darky? And I was like, nope. Nope, not not clue. Uh, He's like, yeah, you got to listen to it. It's so good. And we uh, listened to it. I was like, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that you love it, buddy. Love that you Mm-mm. love it. <laughs> um, if you were stranded on a desert island and you could pick one book to have,
0: and it can be a graphic novel, it doesn't have so Some of us prefer the, the to have the the visual along your, with the your words.
1: favorite liter- literary piece of paper.
2: Could I choose the complete collection of IDW Turtles uh, printing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's sort of like really thick, big hardcover reprints. I think there's like 15 volumes. I'll take all of those. I
0: I think I have volume four. That's the only one I have. (laughs) And I'm like, this is a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of them. Yeah,
2: I've only got the first couple, but I could, I will have them all. (laughs) I will.
0: Absolutely. They're, no, they're fantastic um what time of day are you most inspired as an artist
2: oh uh probably like 10 a.m i think okay. uh that that's generally when i get to the studio and i'm sat right here mm-hmm. i've got my drawing tablet next to me and i'm sort of just Getting that's it. when i feel pretty good yeah that all late at night i get ideas but then they are for the next morning so you know. okay
3: Mm-hmm
1: yeah I was always uh had a piece of paper a notepad next to me because my mm. brain turns on in the middle of the night it's like you got to do x y and z or the same kind of idea like oh yeah. here's a thought I think of things like for the podcast now I'm like eh, write it down yeah. and to sleep. Well,
2: it's because I take I take our dog out um like about 10 30 at night mm-hmm. and we don't have a garden or anything so I just take him for a little walk for like 15 minutes yeah. and it's generally just me talking to him uh about my day tomorrow <laughs> you know what i've got coming up sounding board <laughs> yeah exactly our
1: very yeah. good listeners and and for, for those of y'all who are listening in um our our two dogs you probably have seen them dan we've yes <laughs> they've been popping around here uh they they're our little podcast buddies they are very good yeah. listeners. so um yeah. well we uh are really grateful for you taking the time to chat with us it's been super fun um mike already kind of did a little bit of where where people can find you outside <laughs> of your website and socials is there anywhere else that people can access your your art or you know
2: um i've got a mailing list um that is on my website you can go there um i also have an agent uh who takes care of some work for me so you can also if you need to get in contact about work you can go to them that's raw artists Cool. Um and apart from that, no, I think that's it pretty much. I mean, I used to I used to use Twitter, but what's the point anymore? It's this it's an absolute fire of yeah. mess. Yes. I don't know, I
0: dumpster fire if you will. But... It is
2: just trash now. They've. Yeah. <laughs> Well done, Elon. Good stuff. <laughs> right. Well, Stick to the it's,
1: cars. It's nice uh that people can again access your go to Dan's website. You can uh, that's where we found a lot of our information. He's got all of his catalog of work there. If you want to go listen to Dan's music, the little tab on his on his website, go check out Dan's music. Let's
2: get Dan some plays. Let's go. That's Let's right. Yeah.
1: All of a sudden, Mike.
2: (laughs) Let's get to 100 plays. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, Dan, thank you so much. Mike and I uh, are just uh, thrilled to have been able to connect with you, got to know you a little bit better. Um, Thank you for sharing all the cool stuff today on the the
3: podcast.
1: And uh, Anything else, Mike? No,
0: just uh, eternal gratitude. Thank you for joining us, Dan, and look forward to more of your work in the future and keeping the conversation going.
2: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.